you'll be blessed. This is, I think, the fifth Sunday morning in a row that I've spoke about the subject of hearing God. Hearing God. Boy, if there's anything that we need to do, it's to hear God. And uh, I'm going to speak this morning about a parable that we'll get to in a minute. But before I do, I want to remind you that there were many different kinds of people that followed the Lord. Uh, Sometimes, you know, we think of him as being despised and rejected, which he was. And we think about how, how it ended there on Calvary and what a sad picture that presents to us. But there were great multitudes that followed the Lord during certain parts of his ministry. They were fascinated by him. Never a man spake like this man. Uh, They they couldn't believe it whenever he worked his miracles and fed the multitude and things like that. So there was quite a contrast in the people that were following him. And the thing about it is, for some it was entertainment. For some it was curiosity. And for some, it was a sincere, heartfelt belief, like the apostles. And the thing about it is, the Lord knew who truly believed, and and He didn't. And it was for that reason that our Lord used parables to instruct. You don't need to turn there, but I want to give you a verse before we get into the parables, because a lot of people got a lot of questions about parables. Why? And for me, this verse sort of answers that. John 7, verse 17 says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. The whole point is there that if we are willing to do the will of God, God will see to it, you know, that we know the will of God. We'll understand the Word of God. We'll be able to comprehend the Word of God. And so that raises this question, are you willing to do the will of God? Let that sink in a minute and be serious. about. Are you willing to do the will of God? You say, well, sure. I came to church today. I know that's His will. I have I got my check. I'm I'm going to put it in for a leave. I tithe and I do this. No, look, the will of God can include a lot of things that you don't do on Sunday. I kind of like what one old preacher said years ago. He said, you can't worship God on Sunday if you don't worship God the other six days of the week. There's a truth to that, by the way. Worship is a lifestyle, Romans 12. Are you willing to do the will of God? Well, some folks followed Jesus. That is, they tattered along behind, you know, watching things going on. And they were curious about it. And some even thought, hey, I'm going to jump on this bandwagon. I kind of like like what I see. And yet, they went back and walked with him no more, the Bible says. Are you willing to do the will of God? And be careful how you answer because... In Mark chapter 4, we're going to look here at the parable. Some claim it's the first parable that was spoken. I'm not going to get into that debate. But I will say this is the only one of the parables that I know of where Jesus not only gives the parable, but he tells us what it means. He doesn't do that in the others. But here, he gives the parable and then he gives the meaning. Verse number one, and he began, I love this word again, he began again. He didn't just, you know, go through a place maybe one time, on some occasions he did, but here they've got another opportunity. He began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land, and he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed that some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it It had no depth of earth. 
But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. That's what we've been talking about now for the fifth week in a row, the need to hear. And if you remember back last week there in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, where that word hear is used there and all through the Old Testament, that particular Hebrew word has to do with that we are to hear with the understanding that we're going to do. It involves hearing and doing. It's not just being able to recite words that we heard through our ear canal, but it's actually hearing what was said and having the intent to put into practice what we heard. Now, a parable is drawn from a common experience for the purpose of conveying spiritual truth. In other words, it's common things that everybody knows about, uh, and uh, the Lord's going to use that because they're knowledgeable of it, and He's going to use that to teach some spiritual truth. And remember this, every aspect of the parable is not necessarily designed to teach each and every section of the parable. It'll help you in understanding parables to realize that each parable is designed to teach one special main truth. That's the one point that the Lord is driving home in that parable. And so we could talk a lot about parables in general, but I want you to just focus on this one today. It's been called the parable of the seed and the sower, but uh, I would I think of it rather as the parable of the seed. While it mentions the sower here, the emphasis is upon the soil itself. And uh, the Lord is a master at using these natural things and, and describing spiritual truth. I mean, whenever he speaks about being the water of life and you drink of this water and you'll never thirst again. Now, I know that's not a parable as we think of it, but uh, he's using those natural things. I'm a door. Any man enter in by this, you know? No worries. I'm the bread of life. Eat of this bread, you'll never get hungry again. And so the Lord is the, well, there's just never been a teacher like the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here he is using something that they're all familiar with to teach. And I want you to look at each one of each part of this parable. And notice it begins with the summons. Look at verse 3. Now, I said earlier that he gives the parable and then he gives the explanation. And we're going to do that as we go along. But as we give the explanation, I'll expect you to just follow along and read along instead of us taking the time to read the entire, the entire thing. So verse 3, where he begins, he says, Hearken, behold. And that word hearken is what you know, the so-called scholars say. That is, the, that is the present imperative. In other words, you do it and you do it now, but it means also it's something that you continue to do. You don't do it for a while, but you continuously do that. It has to do with giving your attention to what's going on and you keep doing it. And that word hearken is exactly what that means. In other words, don't listen to me for the next 15 minutes and the sermon's over and you can forget it and go on your way. Hearken, he says, behold, and look at verse number 9, and he said unto them, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. You know, ever since the fall of man, God has been calling for man's attention. Aren't you glad? That he didn't just write us off and say, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. He's been crying for our attention, and he deserves our attention. But man is a stubborn creature. That's why anytime that I preach through Isaiah 53, I always start in Isaiah 52. Isaiah 53 begins with, who has believed our report? Who, who believes this? And that's a question that's still valid today. Who really believes? Who really accepts the things that God has to say? You see, man is a stubborn creature. He, he really is. We, 
somebody said the only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn anything from history. Well, sometimes some people haven't even got that figured out yet. People just seldom really listen to what God says, and then they end up paying a high price for not doing so. What a serious mistake that is. We looked at that one week there in the book of Zechariah and the serious mistake of us not listening to God. So he starts out here with the summons for each and every one of us to tune in, pay attention. And I want you to listen, he says, and I want you to keep listening, say, focused on this, hearken. Now notice the second thing, and that's the seed. And he tells us, look at verse 14. The sower soweth. What is it he sows? The Word. The Word of God. The sower is sowing the Word. You know, the Bible pictures God's Word as being a a living, incorruptible seed. No, No one here would have ever been saved had it not been for that incorruptible, living seed, the Word of God. And so that very fact tells us that whatever we're about to read in this parable, the, 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 the failure that we see in this parable, it's never the fault of God's Word. Never. It might be someone's misunderstanding of God's Word that creates a problem in their life, but it's never God's fault. That's why we talk about the will of God being what? It's right. It's best and it's safe. And you can't say that about anything else on this earth. And I mention that because the condition of this world cannot be blamed on God. God gave man the ability to choose. And the problems we see today is the result of wrong choices. The seed is the Word of God. If there's anything this world needs today, it's the Word of God. Because without the Word of God, they'd never know, really know, what they need to know about Jesus. Oh, listen, they might hear about this so-called Jesus. Remember Paul said, if any man preach unto you, you know, some other Jesus, some other gospel, let him be accursed. There's a lot of religious stuff going around today and always has been. Those that supposedly have the answers and they don't. But boy, when you turn to this blessed old, I started to say black book, that's Bev's Bible. I've had to use it because the print's larger. And then notice the third thing is the sower. Look back at verse number 14 with me for just a moment. Verse 14, and he makes no question about it. The sower soweth the word. Well, it's easy to understand, I think, if you've been following along that Jesus is there He's on the, there on the seashore and he kicks out in the ship and he's teaching all of these people. He's the sower of the seed. That's a picture of God being at work even in this day. Sometimes we get to thinking, wow, the world is so bad it looks like God has just forsaken us and uh, we forget about the fact that the best, the best is yet to come. We're just going through what God told us we'd be going through. God told us how it was going to be. It shouldn't be any surprise to us that we see all of these things happening. God is at work, but what, what is He doing? God is at work planting His Word in the hearts of people. And there can't be a harvest of souls until people hear the Word of God. Regardless of the circumstances. But when it concerns the sower, if you know anything about what Jesus said, that involves us also. He gave us the commission to do what? To go into the whole world and what? Preach the gospel, preach the word of God to all people. That's why every time, every time you witness to someone, every time you read the Word of God to someone, every time you teach a Sunday school class or an Awana class, every time you preach, you're sowing the seed. And until the day that we're gone, we ought to, each one individually and collectively, be sowing the seed of God's Word regardless of the circumstances or the cost or the consequences. 
because it might not always be as easy as it is right now here in America. It could get a whole lot worse and a whole lot faster than we ever imagined. The sower is Christ and his followers, the Christians. But our focus is on the soil. This is where the emphasis is. After the seed have been, has been sown, then everything depends on the, on the attitude of the heart. And that's pictured here by the soil. The different conditions. So I want you to notice where the seed fell. In other words, where the Word of God was presented, where it was given. First of all, verse 4 says, by the wayside. That describes the situation in just a minute in verse number uh, 5 or 15 here. We'll look at the spiritual application. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. The fowls of the air came and devoured it up. You have to remember, and this is why it was so vivid in the minds of those followers that day. Everybody there knew exactly what he meant because in those days the farming land there throughout Palestine is all farming land and is covered with all of these fields and these fields are separated the one from the other by these narrow paths. That's so they could travel from one place to another. Well, obviously after a after a while, these paths, that ground there is compacted down. Uh, it, it's, it's hard. They're walking on it every day out there tending to their crops. And he said some of the seed fell on, uh, fell on that uh, by the wayside. It didn't get into, you know, get into the field and where the soil was well prepared, but it's by the wayside here, and consequently the seed could not penetrate into the surface there. And, and he says, and then it was just devoured by the birds. It's easy to picture that, isn't it? All that seed laying there, well, what's a bird supposed to do? Oh, man, I mean, it's supper time for them. Here they come. Now, here's the spiritual application, verse number 15. Notice he says, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown that when they have heard, He's bringing people into the picture here when they have heard. So they've heard the word. It's been sown. Satan cometh a week or two later. No, Satan cometh immediately before you get back there to the door to leave the building. Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. You see, this hard ground is a picture of someone with a hard heart, a heart that is cold, a heart that is hard, a, a heart that is indifferent. It's unresponsive. And here's a person that you, you could say really concerning the Word of God. He has no sense of shame, no sorrow for his sins, no, sees no real reason and to respond to God's Word, sees no danger in not doing so. Solomon speaks about people like that as being, as being without wisdom. They hate instruction. There are a lot of folks like that. And I'm, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I read the Bible for myself. I've got my mind made up. Uh, people like that. As soon as it's sown immediately. Who are those birds? It's Satan like a bird snatching those those seeds away. The most, listen, the most glorious message and the most gifted messenger in the world cannot reach people like that. There were those that Jesus loved, those that Jesus pre preached to. And what happened? There he could do no mighty works there. They refused to respond. And you think of all of the things that no doubt he wanted to do. Remember, he can heal his sick, raise the dead, give sight to the blind, and stop the ears of the deaf. He can do all of that. And they said, we're having none of this. And he walked away. And I think I can safely say he did so with a broken heart to think that they were so unresponsive to the thing that they needed more than anything else. I look at verse number five, and here's the second 
this second kind of ground that is mentioned here, the second heart that's represented. Here's the situation described, verse 5. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth, verse 6. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root and it withered away. Luke tells us that was because just a little skiff of dirt there. You think it's doing all right, but there's no moisture. And all through Palestine, there are limestone ledges, right where the, I'm talking about where the bedrock comes right within a few inches of the top of the little bit of soil. Kind of reminds me of back in the Ozarks, it's a lot that way. Some folks have wondered why they have all of those rock fences there in the Ozarks, it's because the farmers had good sense to went out there and picked up all those rocks and built fences with them, and used them for a constructive purpose because they couldn't plant their crop out there the way that it was. And then there are places where those limestone edges are where they show through. I mean, when I was working with the highway department, we created a, a cut through one of those, one of those mountains there that was the largest cut through solid stone in the state of Missouri at that time. Going down to Branson, big stone ledges there. All over the, all over the Ozarks you find that, that limestone right up showing through. and might be a spot there with just a little bit of, little bit of dirt on it. Well, it's obviously in that shallow soil there, you know, it, it, there's no way that it could develop a root system. There's no way that it could possibly thrive in a situation like that. At first, it seemed like, hey, everything's going to be okay, you know, because all of a sudden it, you've got this, this soil with that lime and the ability that it has to, to kind of in, initiate and spark some growth and, and nothing happened. Here's the application. Look at verse 16. And there are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they have heard the word immediately received it with gladness. They might have walked out saying, Preacher, whew, that was a great sermon today. Man, I really like that. Verse 17. And they have no root in themselves. And so endure, but for a time, and afterward, when, get this, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now, here is people that receive the word quickly. You, you think this is going to be great. But what you don't know, what I don't know, what Brother Kenneth doesn't know, but what the Lord knows, it's superficial and it's external. In other words, there seems to be a quick spurt of growth, as it were. That it's, in other words, it's going to produce a harvest, but there are, no, there are no roots there. They're like the fellow over in Matthew that built his house on what? The sand rather than the rock. Oh, he could have kicked back and said, man, look at that. I like mine a whole lot better than yours. I mean, I've, I've used all of these imported goods and things. I, I, you can't possibly match, match that. And all of that, you know, might have been true in one sense. But boy, when the storm came, it was all gone. And the other fellow over there, his was on the solid rock and it remained and notice these people, they seem, it seems like, yes, great. We're going to have members added to the church. They've made maybe a profession of faith. They might have even said, hey, I want to get, I want to get started involved in the choir. I, I want to get involved in some ministry. So I'm really excited about this. But there's no real spiritual change of the heart. 
They might have thought, they might have heard some of these modern day prosperity preachers say, oh, all you got to do is just give your heart to Jesus. All you got to do is just trust Him and boy, man, you're going to prosper. If you've got faith, you can have anything you want. There are people that buy into that. Little old ladies out here that are on Social Security, a fixed income. They buy into their unscriptural teaching. They think this is going to be great. And you'd be surprised how many Christians make a profession of faith just because they hope that in doing so it'll solve their problems. Marital problems or whatever it might be. They think, man, this, this is the answer. They gladly hear, but it never goes anywhere. Troubles come. They've never had that brokenness within their heart. They've never mourned over their sins. That's one of the things that we try to emphasize in dealing with children. That's the, there's no one more difficult to deal with than children. It's not because they're stupid, because they can ask some questions you can't answer. They're not stupid. I don't mean it that way. But even a child must reach that point to where they are aware of the fact that I have sinned and offended a holy God and I deserve to go to a devil's hell. Nobody will ever be saved until they understand that they are a sinner in the sight of God. And that brokenness of heart. There are people at all times that make professions of faith and join churches that They've never experienced the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in their heart. Everything seems real till the trouble comes. Now verse 7. Here's the third place where the seed is sown. He says, among thorns. And some fell among the thorns, and the, storm, the thorns grew up and what choked it, and it yielded no fruit. It never did produce what was intended. You see, even the richest, deepest soil has to be prepared. You can plant the good seed in soil that has been contaminated with weeds and it's going to end up being unfruitful. It'll never be the crop that you want it to be because those weeds are going to rob the seed of the nutrients and the moisture and the things that it needs to cause it to produce. And so that's the description of the situation. But look in verse 15. Verse 18, here's the application. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. Verse 19, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. So here we find people here that receive the word of God but it's soon choked out. And he mentions three things. You hear the message. And there's a part of you that says, I know that preacher is right. I know my Sunday school teacher told me the truth. I know it. I can read it for myself. There it is. But he says, then there are those, those weeds that just choke it out and it never comes to fruition. It never brings about what the Lord intended. And he mentions three things. The cares of this world. Oh, all of the fretting, all of the worry. The cares of this world. Listen, that, this world's a difficult place to live. I think we'd all agree to that. The cares of this world. Got to get the kids to school on time. You got to work so many hours a week to make ends meet. The deceitfulness of riches. The lust of other things. We could talk a lot about all three of those things, but I think it's easy to see that this person's main concern is what? It's for personal gain. However you look at it. Whether it's possessions, whether it's pleasure, whatever it is, this all has to do with the concern for oneself. And what happens as a result of it? There's no 
no growth, there's no harvest. It's choked out. You know, if the truth is known probably in every service in every church while the word is being preached, there's someone or maybe many that while the preaching is going on, they're sitting there thinking about what? Some of the cares of this world. They're thinking about what am I going to do tomorrow? I've got to face a situation tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I, you know, I'm just pressed to my limit. Or it might be the, the lust of other things. I saw him pull in out there in that new, that new car. I got to get me one of them. And instead of really hearing the word of God, you're thinking about how you can work out a deal to get you a new car. These are all of the thorns that choke out the word of God. But now notice in verse 8 here, come to the good ground. Here's the situation that's described. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit. Thank God for that. It did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and, and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100. And it's because of the soil there. It's soft, it's deep, it's clean. And here's the spiritual application. Verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now here's something you need to understand before we go on and listen carefully now. When he talks about the good ground, and the, you know, the good heart as it were here, he's not speaking about a person's moral or their spiritual condition. That's not the idea that's used here. The good soil, before you give them a round of applause you need to understand it's not talking about their moral condition or their spiritual condition it's talking about the receptability of their heart it's talking about the fact that their heart is in a favorable condition to receive the word whenever they hear it they're willing to receive it and as they receive it it's nourished and it's rooted and it becomes well it results in a productive life a life that is evidenced by fruit that is produced. And notice all, all of the different soil doesn't produce the same to the same degree. Some 30, some 60, and some 100. And again, we think about, well, look, man, that, that old boy over there, he's producing 100%, you know, as it were. That's far better than that, look at that guy over there, you know, just 30%. This has nothing to do with us producing to the same degree, each one of us. There is a harvest in the sense that the Word of God is heard, that it's received, they've acted upon it. But in each and every heart, in each and every life, it's going to result in a different, different degree of produce, as it were. That's important because we all don't have the same gifts Amen. or the same opportunities. We dare not ever measure ourselves against someone else because either, either our gift is different than theirs or we have the same gift, but God's given one an opportunity and the other one never had that opportunity. So it's all about the person, all about us receiving the word and producing the fruit. And that's all the Lord asks of any of us. But I don't know, whenever I read this, I, it's an encouragement as a Christian to think about this because we look at all of these, in the first three instances, all of these failures, as it were. These people did not receive the Word of God. There was no, no harvest. But thank God there was some. 
finally, remember they're out there sowing and they're just scattering that seed everywhere. It's going everywhere. Some fell on the good ground. And let me tell you, there's always some good ground somewhere. The more seed we sow, the more eventually we're going to reap. Because some of it's bound to fall on good ground. You know, you, you might visualize, let's say you have a next-door neighbor that's someone that you just, you flat-dab just can't get along with them. They're cranky, they're selfish, they're everything that they shouldn't be. And you think it wouldn't do a bit of good for me to give them a tract with the gospel. They'd, who knows? You might have a friend or a relative. You've been talking to them maybe for years about their need of Christ as their Savior. But you here a few months ago, you just gave up. What's the use? They know. Why, why am I wasting my time going back over there and talking to them more? It's because you never know when you sow the seed, when the when it's going to take root in the good ground. The heart will be in the right condition to receive it. And here's, and I, whatever you do, I want you to get this point. When it speaks about this, these various heart conditions here, it does not mean that a person's heart is permanently in that condition. That's not the idea here. The Lord is describing the condition of the heart at a particular point of time, not throughout the person's entire life. And I mention that because I don't want you to give up on people, and I mention that because things can happen to change a person's heart and cause them to be receptive. I've said before, if you would have tried to approach me about the gospel of Christ at any time in my life up until, up until a short time before I was saved, I can tell you now, it, it wouldn't have done any good. I, wasn't, I didn't want to hear any of it. I, I, man, I, I had my life mapped out and it's all about me. As long as I could stay alive and do what I want to do, who cares? Boy, let me tell you, there are things that can bring you down to the point that even if you don't know there is a God, you'll be looking for something or someone, you'll be looking for something to find relief from what you're going through. Sometimes, it might be a great loss. It might be much suffering. I mean, you know, if that's the case, and it is, then, then the sooner we receive God's Word, the better off we'll be. There are folks who have been raised in the church. They've heard the God's Word over and over and over. Those kids in Awana, let me tell you, they can put most of us to shame. They can stand up and quote one verse after another, after another, after another, after another, and go on and on. Thank God for that. The seed is being sown in their heart. Over and over and over. They've memorized it, but that does not mean that they've necessarily received it. And when we don't receive the Word of God, given the opportunity, and we don't receive it, that can lead to disaster. That's why whenever we hear the Word of God, we ought to act on it immediately by surrendering ourselves to God's will because that, that can save us so many heartaches. God knows how to get our attention. Oh, we hear it over and over and over again. I don't know why this... I don't know why God lets this happen to me. I just can't figure it out. I'm not that bad a person. And so many times if we'd really get honest about it, we'd figure it out. Let me tell you something. If God would take David's baby 
to get David's attention in order that David would do the will of God. Don't you think he won't wake you up? Nobody sins successfully. You say, did God really do that? Well, God let it happen, didn't he? It wasn't no accident. There are no accidents with God. I'm not preaching these series of messages in, for any reason that's helpful necessarily to me other than my deep concern for those that refuse to receive the Word of God. Because when we truly receive the Word of God, what does it do? It produces. It produces. And that's what I and Brother Kenneth, that's what we both want for every person here. We want, to, we want to see the blessings of God in your life and on your family. And it all boils down to whether or not we're, you're willing to receive the Word of God. And by receive it, I'm talking about receive it so as to be honestly, to, you can honestly say, I want to do God's will for my life. And I wonder, is there anyone in here who could honestly say, you know, I can't think of anything in my life right now. I can't think of anything in my life that, that God's wanting me to do. Anything in my life that needs to be changed. Anything that needs to be better. Is there any place in my life where I'm not conforming to the will of God as I should? And folks, that's exactly why I started a while ago talking about the fellow that said, you can't worship God on Sunday if you don't worship Him the other six days of the week. Because if we're going to keep our heart and our life in the condition that it ought to be in, it's got to be intentional. That we interact, that we fellowship, that we commune with our God every single day. And the best way to respond to any sin, regardless of whether the sin is an attitude, an action, or an absence, regardless, the best way to respond to it is what? Immediately. Because if you don't, immediately, here comes the devil. Or the worries or the fears and rob you of that opportunity to have made a life changing choice in your life. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, I don't think anybody's here today could say, you know, I've never heard anybody tell about how to be saved. I've never heard the plan of salvation. I don't think there's one person. Is there anybody here that could honestly say that? I, I, I've never heard about that before. Nobody. So we've all heard about it. The whole question is, have you by faith trusted or willing to receive and trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? You realize you're a sinner. You, something needs to be done. And if you've never received Christ, you could do that right now where you are. You don't have to walk down the aisle to do it. You just right there where you are. It's a choice, a decision, of act of faith between you and God that yes, I'm, I know I'm a sinner and I, 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 I know I would go to hell if I died today. But right here and now, I'm going to receive Christ as my Savior. Would you get out of your seat in just a moment and come down here and share that with Brother Kenneth, or if you're here today and you've been saved for years, but there's something nagging at you, God's been speaking to you about something, and so far you've just treated it like it's a minor issue. Not one of the really big sins or anything, it's just a little gossip. Sweep that under the rug. I probably won't ever do that again, so we'll just ignore that. And you do so at your own peril. Don't put it off, don't wait. If you don't want anybody to pray with you or bother you, you, you just come to an old-fashioned altar and say, I, I, just, I just want to do some business with God before I leave. While we all stand together, and Brother David and the musicians are going to come and we're going to sing.
and extend this invitation this morning. Heavenly Father, how thankful I am that someone cared enough to sow the seed of your word in my heart many long years ago. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that in spite of the failures in my life, that you gave me an opportunity that I didn't deserve to meet a need that I couldn't meet to bring me to a saving knowledge of Christ. And Lord, there might be someone here today like that. And I pray today that they would act upon what they've heard, what they know the Bible to say. And Lord, for those of us that are, that, that are believers, that we have received Christ, we're trying to live for you, but Lord, just that's something that keeps tripping us up. God, help us to not walk away today as though we don't know about it. Help us to deal with that issue today so that we might leave here knowing that, that we can have a good conscience before God and the peace that comes from that. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. While we sing, just do what God would will for you this morning. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today, calling today. Wine from the sunshine of love will thou roam farther and farther away. Calling today, calling today. Go ahead and stop a minute. I, 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 I want to speak about this. I'll tell you what, go ahead and sing. Go ahead and sing. She's eight years old. I asked her if she knew how little she was when she first started coming here. And uh, just a little baby. And I look back there giving Tim, her grandpa, a thumbs up. I, I know the whole family's been blessed by what I'm about to tell you about. I got home last Sunday and, uh, who was it, Kenneth? You sent me the message that...
Yeah. You know, so many, so many times, you know, that uh, service is over, the benediction has been pronounced, and we get in our cars and we drive away, and uh, we, we just, we never know what God might doing, be doing in a person's life. Let me, uh, go ahead, y'all can be seated. Brother David will lead you in some singing in a minute. I want to ask what some might seem like a silly question. Is there anyone here today, whether you're a neighbor or someone, I had talked to someone yesterday, invited them to church, and, and their mother's here from out, out of the country, over, gets to come to America for three months. Anybody here that I've invited to church that maybe uh, I haven't seen you yet, believe me, if you're very far back here, I don't know who you are, but anyone? Or maybe it was someone walking down the road when I was walking the other way. Okay, I, I, the only reason I ask that is because I don't want you to come and then me to go out one door and you the other and you think, well, I, he gave me an invitation to come and I did and he didn't even speak to me. It's because I didn't know who you were, you know. So come up and let me know. And those of you that have been handing out tracts, I'm so glad that I'm so glad to see what God's doing in the lives of uh, the fellows on the Timothy team, and not just those men, but the the women also that's being uh, affected by that, and now involved in like the bridge builders and things. And and uh, we're, you know, for an old preacher that doesn't know how much longer he's got to go, I, I, I tell you that excites me more than just about anything to see. The, to see folks that are rock solid and ready to go and wanting to serve God and do what's right. And uh, God's sure been good to us. He really has. And, and he hasn't sent me no email saying he's going to change anything. So I think we ought to enjoy it. David, lead us in a song. Right? 